Well, welcome again, everybody. Good to see you and everybody watching online and everybody at Montrose. Thanks for joining us as well. And it's good to be together as a church family in all these different formats and places. Uh, I'm excited this weekend. We're launching off a new series uh, called The Unconventional Influencer. And uh, what we're going to do for the next few weeks is I'm going to introduce you uh, to a guy in the Bible named John the Baptist. And we're going to talk about how he used his platform and how he used his influence and how he made this deep, deep commitment that on his platform and with his influence, he was going to push Jesus to the forefront and he was going to try and take a back seat to that and make sure that Jesus made sense to people and allow himself to drift into his shadow a little bit. So when you think about a platform and you think about influence, uh, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in our culture right now. We have influencers that are over all kinds of aspects of our culture. And, uh, and we also have the ability to have an influence in ways that we have never had before. So back in the day, like the 90s, uh, before, uh, before social media, if you were going to be an influencer, uh, you had to have a platform, right? You had to have some kind of a talent, some kind of an ability. Uh, maybe you were in the, the media, the movies or television or something like that. Maybe you wrote a book or you were an athlete or you conquered a country or something like that. You had to have a way to have that influence and then based on what you did you got a certain moral authority or a certain amount of attention and then you had influence but all that was necessary kind of from the beginning of time all the way until social media was invented and when social media was invented that all shifted now to have a global platform all you need is like an opinion and a cell phone and you got one and you can put your opinion and your thoughts and your influence literally out onto a global level. And we're all kind of used to that, right? We all use social media. We all use our cell phones. We're used to the internet and things like that. And we're so used to it that we actually don't always realize or remember that this is a first time ever in the history of the planet thing. So about 15 years, 17 years ago, when things like Facebook and MySpace and that kind of stuff first started to come out, it's the first time that you've ever been able to have that kind of a global reach just because you decided that you wanted to have that kind of global reach. Now, there's a lot of negative that comes with that, and the negative tends to get all of the press and a lot of the conversation, especially in the church. I don't really want to talk about the negative. I think we know what that is. I actually want to talk about the positive of it. And if I have a platform and I have a global platform where I have the ability to make myself famous, to put myself out there, if I'm a, cross, a Christ follower, the question will become, is that what I'm going to do with it? Am I going to promote and push myself or might I become an unconventional influencer and put somebody out in front of me, right? Now, when you think about this, if you pull it out of like the cyber world and you put it into the real world, we tend to think about it a little bit differently. So if I did something for you, if I went and I rented uh, Quicken Loans Arena and I filled it up, I think it seats like 22,000 people, and I could fill it up with 22,000 people, and I looked at you and I said, I'm doing this so that you have your 15 minutes. 
and we're going to fill the arena up. We're going to put a stage on it. We're going to put you under the bright lights, and you got your 15 minutes of fame, and in those 15 minutes, you can say anything you want to say to that audience, the biggest stage that you'll ever be on. And anything from your heart, any opinion you have, any belief, anything that you think may change or affect somebody's life, but it is your platform and you get to say what you want. If you pull that out of the cyber world and you put that into the real world, you would think about that 15 minutes differently. And I'm going to be remembered by that 15 minutes. And that 15 minutes is going to follow me for the rest of my life. And it may even impact the direction of human history. If you put that into the real world, you would think about it. You would probably pray about it. You would go through rough drafts with it. You probably wouldn't sleep the night before because the number one phobia in North America is public speaking. You might throw up a little bit before you go out there. Like you, That would deeply affect your life because you got your moment to have influence. We are just used to a global platform. And we're used to throwing our opinion out for kind of any and every reason. And we're used to being able to have that influence. And you can talk about it on social media, but listen, if you're a boss, you have influence. If you're a parent, you have influence. If you're a sibling, older, younger, you have influence. If you have a roommate, you have influence. If you're on a team, you have influence. If you have a story, you have influence. If you're a human being that interacts with other human beings, you have influence. If you're a human being that does not interact with other human beings, probably counseling appointment would probably be best for you. But if you have people around you in any way, shape, or form, you have influence. And the question is, what would we do with it? And for the Christ follower, the question will become, what would he want us to do with it? And there's a guy in the Bible named John the Baptist who actually sets a great example for us. And he shows us what a good investment of our influence would be and how because he made Jesus the main thing and drifted into his shadows, it allowed him to have an eternal impact. It allowed him to really give the people he loves what they really needed. And it allowed him to be used by God in powerful, powerful ways. So let me introduce you to John a little bit because he's one of the biggest influencers in history. And what's unique about John is John the Baptist isn't just influential because he made the Bible, right? If you make the Bible, you kind of get influenced, right? Because people talk about you for all of these years. But John the Baptist isn't famous just because he made the Bible. John the Baptist was famous in his day. So in his day, he was a guy that had a major story. He was a major brand. He had a major platform that was entrusted to him by God. So John the Baptist is a fascinating guy. He's got a great, great backstory. Uh, he, like Jesus, was also born of miraculous circumstances. So Jesus was born of a virgin. That's not John's story. John's mom, Elizabeth, was cousins with Jesus's mom, Mary. And Elizabeth got pregnant a little bit before Mary did. Mary was miraculously became pregnant because Jesus was born of a virgin. Elizabeth was just really, really old. And she thought she could never have children. But God did a miracle in her life. And she was able to conceive. And she conceived John the Baptist. So he had this great, great backstory. He had a pedigree. So John was, was his, his pedigree was that he was in the line of the 
high priest of Israel, or what the, we would call the line of Aaron. So his dad was a, a priest, and he would go into the temples. In fact, he found out that Elizabeth was going to get pregnant when he was in the Holy of Holies. And so he had that part of John's story too. But John had this whole spiritual pedigree that was really unmatched by very, very few people in the, in the ancient world. Uh, John had a brand. Uh, so John, uh, he took a vow. It's called a Nazarite vow. But it caused him to act and eat and think in a certain way. And so when people were talking about John, they'd be like, Who, which one's John the Baptist? And they'd be like, the guy with the camel skin on. They're like, oh, that one. Like he was known, right? And he had a following. Thousands of people followed John in his day. And they would come from all over the area, and they would want to hear him teach. They would want to know his content. They would want to know his opinion on things. So he had a major, major following. He had connections. I mean, he's Jesus' cousin. That comes in handy, I'm sure, once in a while, right? So he had connections. And he had influence even, like, with governmental powers. Like, the government of the time was a little bit afraid of John, weren't quite sure what to do with him. The religious establishment was also kind of checking him out and trying to figure him out. So he's not just famous because he made the Bible. He, in his day, John the Baptist was a big deal, and he had a big following, and he was an influencer, right? Now, he obviously wasn't the first influencer. He's obviously not going to be the last influencer. So him being an influencer isn't really what makes him unique. It's what he did with it. He took his platform, and he took his life, and he took his story, and he took his network, and he took his connections, and he invested it in a really, really unique way. And what made him unique was that John decided that he was going to pass on being famous, and instead he was going to commit himself to being faceless. He wanted you to know about Jesus way more than he wanted you to know about John the Baptist. And this platform that was huge and important and influential in the day, he didn't use it to build his brand. He didn't use it to get rich. He didn't use it to propagate himself. He actually used it to make Jesus make sense and to put Jesus at the forefront of what you were talking about. John the Baptist chose, chose to be fam, uh, faceless because he knew that his influence would far outlive him if he influenced you toward Jesus. So he wanted you to know Jesus. He knew that if he could put Jesus up front instead of John up front, that John wouldn't distort Jesus. So he needed to get to know John to get to know Jesus. He would talk about and push Jesus so much that he would kind of steer you directly to Jesus. And I think he knew that if he truly was going to love you and do what was best for you, it was best not for you to get to know and follow John. It was best for you to get to know and follow Jesus. So he had all the platform in the world, but he took a step back and he said, this is the guy that you really want to know, right? Famous people can only offer themselves, and there's a shallowness to that. that. That runs out very, very quickly. You knowing me is all I really have to offer you. Faceless people who offer up Jesus can offer you hope. 
They can offer you truth. They can show you the path to eternal life because they know that doesn't come through them, but it comes through Christ. So stepping back into Jesus' shadow is what John chose to do, and it's really the example that he sets for all of us, right? So when we're thinking about him, getting to know him a little bit, let me show you some of this in the Bible and who John was and what he was like and how he thought a little bit, right? So John the Baptist, the Bible says this in Matthew, he had a brand. Uh, his clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. And so people that are like, who? Which one's John? Oh, the locust guy, right? The camel hair guy. And this was tied to that vow that he took, that Nazarite vow. So he wasn't just being weird. He was deciding to live his life in a, in a very, very simple and non-complex way so that nothing got in the way of you understanding who Christ was. But he was known and he had a brand and people understood who, who he was. The Bible goes on. It says people from Jerusalem and all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. If you looked at a map of the ancient world, that's some major reach right there. And it's all word of mouth, right? So we're not, we don't have newspapers yet. There's no printing press yet. This is all word of mouth. Did you hear about John? Did you hear about the camel hair guy? Do you know where he's at? He's over there. And thousands and thousands of people were coming to John because they wanted to hear what he had to say and what he was like. He was a spiritual leader. The Bible says that when they, when they came and talked to him, he would confront them and talk to and, and tell them kind of what to do. And the Bible says when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. So this is pre-Jesus. So this baptism isn't the same thing that we would do like at Grace Church when we baptize somebody. This is actually a Jewish ritual. So this is a baptism uh, of confession or conversion. So if you said, I'm a Jewish person and I haven't been living for God, this is a confession. If you're saying, I'm a, I'm a non-Jewish person, I want to start living for God, become Jewish, this is a baptism, a baptism of conversion. So John has a spiritual message, right? So he's not, he's, he's not just like a political leader. He's not a military leader. He's, he's none of those things, but he's very famous. He's very well known. People are coming from everywhere to hear him. He's got a major platform, and he's trying to point them toward God. And then we'll see here in the next few weeks, specifically toward the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, his spiritual influence is so strong that people were a little bit confused about who he was. The Bible said they came out in Luke uh, 3.15 that everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. So a lot's going on in people's lives. They knew that in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, there's all these prophecies that says there's this Messiah that's going to come. He's going to forgive you of your sins. He's going to set you free of those things. He's going to be the Savior. And so people were looking for that because of what was going on in the world around them. And when they saw this guy that everybody knew and all these people were starting to follow who had a spiritual message, the people were like, are, are you the Messiah? Or we might say, they, they would say, are you Jesus? Like, are you the one that we've been looking for? Because man, you got a huge platform and you're really influencing a lot of people. And like, you stick out, you got a brand, you're the camel hair guy. And like, you have a message. 
So are you the one that we're searching for? And I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. John is in this place where he can kind of do whatever he wants to do with all this, right? He's got fame. He's got power. The government's a little bit afraid of him. The religious community's kind of afraid of him. He's got a following. They're coming from everywhere, all word of mouth. He didn't even market it, just word of mouth. And now he has a spiritual authority. And if John wanted to, he could have been like, you know what? I'm not the Messiah, but you can't really know the Messiah unless you, I don't know, like tithe and give to me. Unless you buy my new book, right? Unless you take my, you know, my podcast home with you. Like he was in a position where people were asking him to make himself the big deal. And all he kind of had to do was press go on that. All he had to say was, you know what? I'm, I'm not everything that you think, but I'm most of what you think, so you should give me your attention and your energy and your money and your influence, and I'll exercise my power. And he has it all teed up for him, right? He's famous. He's an influencer. Quicken Loans Arena is filled and the stage and he's in the middle and everybody's dialed in and all he's got to do is take the offering. And it's fascinating what he does. And this is where you start to see John's heart. And you start to see how he thinks. And you start to see what he values and how he starts to become the unconventional influencer. Instead of elevating himself, he starts to elevate Jesus, he says this, he answered their questions by saying, guys, I baptize you with water. I do that ritual baptism. But somebody's coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John. Are you the Messiah? You want the book deal? You want, you, want, you want the Netflix series? What do you want, man? You have, you have the most followers. You want to monetize your YouTube? What do you want to do, John? You got the brand and everything. Is it you? And John says, guys, I don't know. It's not me at all. That I, I'm just out here like serving God. But there's a guy coming, and he's the one that you're looking for, and he's the one that you want, and he is, he's not like me. He is so much greater than I am that I, like, I can't even untie his shoes. And he's the one that you should know and that you should understand. And the people then are looking at John and saying, well, wait a minute, I thought... If you got the fame and you got the power and you got the influence and you got the message, doesn't that mean that God's on your team? Didn't he raise you up? Didn't he make you the big deal? Aren't you supposed to be the center point of everything? And John, in essence, looks at them and he says, you got it messed up. I am not the big deal. Christ is the big deal. And he answers them by quoting a passage from the Old Testament. And he says this, as it's written in the book and in the, in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, 
a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the, the crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. John, God gave you all this stuff. He gave you your platform, your brand, everything. Aren't you the big deal? No, he is. Then what are you? Ah, I'm just the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. That's all I am. You do what? I, I'm not drawing you to me. I'm helping prepare the way of the Lord. This other guy's coming, and we're going to see next week, it's Jesus. And G I'm just helping Jesus to make sense. Don't get hung up on me. If you get hung up on me, I'm actually getting in the way of Jesus. My job is not to draw you to me. My job is not to create a following. My job is not to build a congregation. My job is not to ramp up the views. What I do is I make the path straight for him. See, some of you have been looking into spirituality and you've looked at your higher power and you've looked at this religion and that religion and the other one and you're looking for something spiritual but you don't know what it is, my job is to tell you it's Jesus. Just go straight to Jesus and that's what you've been searching for. I'm just making that path straight and if you know me, I want you to know who Christ is, because I want to make Jesus make sense to you. My job is to fill in every valley and to knock down every mountain and every hill. Because some of you in your search for God have had like bad church experiences where somebody lied to you and said that Jesus is like a genie and you're just asking for something and poof, you get a new car. Poof, your hair grows back. Doesn't work that way. Some of you were told that unless you pay an exorbitant temple tax, you can't even worship God. You got to tithe. You got to tithe until you bleed. Some of you were hurt in church. Some of you were lied in church. So what my job is, who am I? I'm not the next big deal. I'm the guy that helps you get over the last big deal who thought he was the most important thing. And I want to fill in those valleys and knock down those barriers so that you can get yourself connected to the one that you're really looking for. His name is Jesus. The crooked road shall become straight because you grew up in church and then you rebelled. And then you straightened out for a while and then you relapsed. And then you went over here and tried this and then your first marriage. And I'm telling you that you can do all this kind of stuff and there's still Jesus. Jesus who will love you. Jesus who will forgive you. Jesus who loves you when you're on top of the world. And Jesus who loves you when that world comes crashing in on you. And I want you to know who that, per I'm just the guy that does that. And when you interact with me, what I want to make sure is that you will see God's salvation. Not that you'll see my performance, not that you'll see my talent, not that you'll hear my opinion, but you will know who Jesus is. See, that's me.
I'm just the guy that's a voice calling in the wilderness who's going to point out the guy that you're actually looking for, and it's not me. So don't follow me. Don't lock on to me. Let me point you to the one who actually has come to save your soul. And at the peak of his influence, at peak of his fame, peak of his earning potential, the, the, the peak of his movement, John looked at the people who were all coming to him saying, you are the biggest deal, you are the biggest deal, you are the biggest deal. And he's like, I am so not. I am so not. But I know a guy. And he's the one that you want to know and that you want to interact with. And because he was unconventional, because instead of stepping forward, he stepped back. His influence was eternal. His love was true. And his presentation and his pathway to Jesus, billions of people have followed over history. Because John got himself out of the way instead of making him the focal point of it. Right? Now, it is a big deal. And we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks because when we look at John's influence, it, it plays out so much different than what we're told. Right? We're told that we should make ourselves the big deal. You got to live for you, you got to love you some you. Right? You got to love you some you and you got to invest in you. Now, here's the thing with that there's not a human being on planet Earth that has ever struggled to love them himself. Right? Jeff, Jeff loves him some Jeff. I love me some Jeff. Right? I'm wise, I'm smart, and I think we all agree I'm athletic. Right? I love me some Jeff. I don't have to work on loving me. I wake up thinking about myself every morning. I wake up and I think, Jeff, good morning. What are we going to do today, Jeff? What are, what's Jeff going to accomplish? What's on Jeff's to-do list? What does Jeff want, need, and desire? What are Jeff's goals? What would make Jeff happy? What would satisfy Jeff? How should Heidi serve Jeff today? I have a list. I love me some me. Us putting ourselves to the forefront is not something we struggle with because it comes natural. We are naturally self-centered. We are naturally self-preservers. We are naturally self-focused. Nobody has to help anybody with that ever. But to step back step back that's a struggle that's something that actually takes a supernatural interaction from God that takes a grace and a humility and a selflessness that I can't just work up on my own 
And what's remarkable about John the Baptist, John the Baptist was not divine. John the Baptist should not be prayed to. John the Baptist was not a God in any way, shape, or form. John the Baptist was a guy. And he was a guy who was dynamic. And he was a guy who was in the right place at the right time. And he's a guy that could draw the crowd. And he's a guy that was recognized. And he was a guy that had every opportunity and the world put in front of him. And he was a guy who passed. He said, I just want to make Jesus make sense. Because my best way to love you is not to draw you to me. My best way to invest in your life is not to get you to be attached to me. The very best thing that I can do for you is to distract you away from me and to make your path straight and the mountains low and the way clear so that you can know and interact with the God who has given you salvation, his son, Jesus Christ. Now, John the Baptist's great declaration, it's my favorite verse in the Bible, comes in John chapter 3, verse 30. And he says this in John chapter 3, verse 30. He's talking about Jesus, and he's talking to all of these followers who, who are ready to make him the thing. And he looks at them, and he says, guys, here's the way this works. He, Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I, John the Baptist, must become less and less. And it's remarkable, and it's unconventional, and it's powerful how he responded to people who wanted to follow him. He said, no, 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 I'm not the big deal. Christ is the big deal. A few years ago, I was, I was uh, teaching at this thing that I was invited to, to come and teach. And so all these people showed up who came to hear me. And a bunch of, uh, a bunch of leaders from across the country, and uh, they brought me in, and, and the room filled up. And so I'm talking to them about church stuff and all kinds of things and, and about following Jesus. And I said in that meeting, I said, guys, here's the bottom line. Uh, I'm just not a big deal. And I said, we got to remember that. I, I'm not a big deal. You think I'm a big deal because my church is bigger than your church, but I'm not a big deal at all. When I die, nobody's really going to notice, right? You go three, four generations deep. They don't, your own family does, isn't going to remember who I am. Do you know your great, great, great grandfather? So your own family isn't even going to remember who you are, let alone like the planet. And I said, so I'm just not a big deal. So, you know, he must become greater. I must become less. We all got to remember we're not a big deal and we need to serve Jesus that way, right? So the seminar ends, people start to leave and this lady comes up to me and she's like, I need to confront you about something. I'm like, oh boy, here we go, right? Somebody maybe got a taser. And I'm like, okay. I said, what do you need to confront me about? She goes, well, I feel like you were wrong about something. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so I'm like, like what, do you, what do you think I was wrong about? She said, well, you were wrong in what you were saying about yourself. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, Jeff, you're a big deal. She goes, you're a big deal. Jesus loves you. You're special to God. He's empowered you. He's anointed you, which is a weird church word, word that she used. And she's like, you're just, you're a big deal. God is using you. To, you're a really, really big deal. 
And I understood what she was doing and I understood what she meant. So I thanked her and, and uh, she wanted to pray over me. So I let her do that. And then she went on her way. So she left and as she left, I'm, I'm like processing what she said because what she was saying was this. She was afraid that I struggled with low self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, this is not a weakness of mine, right? Right, so I do not struggle with low self-esteem. So that's what she was saying. She's like, you shouldn't have low self-esteem. You're a really big deal, you're special to God. I mean, she gave me all the lyrics to the VeggieTales songs. And I'm, I'm like, she's like, you, 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 don't, you shouldn't have low self-esteem. And I'm like, I'm not talking about low self-esteem. I'm talking about knowing my place. Because guys, listen, nobody's ever gonna talk you down in our culture. When you grew up in school, nobody's looking at you and saying, you know, <laughs> I know you have dreams as a, as a second grader, but <laughs> none of those are going to come true. Nobody, your teacher never said that to you. I'm going to play in the NBA. No, you're not. Nobody said that to you. I can be whatever I want, which is the biggest lie parents tell children. That's not true at all. <laughs> but nobody says that to you or to me. You got to dream your dreams. You got to live for you. You got to pursue your truth. You. You, 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 you. And as a Christ follower, one of the things that I'm saying is no to me. I'm not a big deal. I don't want to be. As a Christ follower, we die to ourselves. We take a step back. We say, no, no, no. Jesus becomes greater and greater. I become less and less. If I follow Christ well, then in time, nobody even remembers that I did that. If we as a church, if we do church well, if we plant churches and make disciples and make disciples, and we, we start 30 campuses in 30 years, and we're a three to 500 year movement, which we talk about being all the time. By the time we get to year 300 or 400, nobody knows we were involved in it. Do you know the church that started this church? Or the church that started the church that started this church? Or the church that started the church that started the church that started the church? You don't even know who they are, why? Because it's not important. Who do we know? We know Jesus. Knowing Jesus is what's important. Proclaiming Jesus is what's important. Jesus pouring out of my life is what's important. I'm not important. Only Jesus is important. And only Jesus will have an eternal impact on your life. I won't have an eternal impact on your life. The only impact I will ever have on your life is, is whether or not I tell you about Jesus. And John the Baptist got that. And he had the fame, and he had the platform, and he had the brand, and he had all those things. But he also realized, if you meet with me, John the Baptist, and you leave, and what you're talking about is John the Baptist, I failed you. So when you talk to John the Baptist, the only person John the Baptist talked about was Jesus. So when you walked away from John the Baptist, you were talking about Jesus. And as a Christ follower, 
living in a culture, and by the way, this is nothing new. It's just more available, right? So people wanting fame and focus, that, that's nothing new at all. We just always had to work at it before. Now we just have to say it. But in a culture that's trying to build self and amplify self and brand self, what do you wind up offering people? Yourself? And John the Baptist is this really amazing story of a guy who got it right. And he got it right not because he leveraged his platform. He got it right because he forsook it. So he didn't have it. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, I'm famous, man. Here you go. Jesus, I got all these followers. Hey, followers, you should go follow him. Jesus, I, I'm the, I'm, I mean, I'm a bad, they call me John the Baptist. Like, how much of a baptizer am I? You guys should go get baptized by Jesus. And he pushed it off of himself and he put it to the only person that's actually worthy of it. And in doing that, God elevated his influence. We're talking about John the Baptist 2,000 years later because of what he didn't do. And he influenced, and he gave a message, and he gave a story, and he gave a hope that did not come from him, but came from the one that he was sent to proclaim and to prepare the way for. I think as you get to know him, you're going to find, he's a fascinating guy, man. Fascinating guy. Human. He's got his flaws. He's a little bit weird. But by simply giving his life over to the only one who's actually worthy of it, God used him in great and powerful and eternal ways. Right? Okay. The band's going to come out and, uh, they need to rearrange the stage a little bit. So maybe bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Just let me ask you a question or two, okay? Here's the first one. When people walk away from you, who are they talking about? Just want you to think about that for a minute. When people walk away from you, who are they talking about? And listen, I, I love you, so hear me, right? But if they're talking about you, they're talking about your video and your image and your Insta and your political opinion. And if they're talking about you, how does that benefit their soul? And we... people leave church and they're talking about you, if they leave your office, if they leave your dorm room, if they leave your practice and they're talking about you, we're just voices calling in the wilderness. 
helping to make Jesus make sense. Right? Jesus, we love you. And we trust and know that you love us. And that is remarkable. And Lord, in our humanity, your grace is rich and it's lavished upon us. We're not, we're not good at this. But you've forgiven us and you love us and you want to give us this opportunity, God. So build within us a selflessness, a humility. God, help us to trust that your way is the best way, that you're worthy of our life, that we can follow you into the middle of wherever you're gonna lead us. And we don't have to define ourselves and we don't have to direct ourselves and we don't have to brand ourselves and we don't have to sell ourselves. We just love you. And you build in our lives what you choose to build. So you alone are worthy of our praise, of our faith, of our lives. And God, in these still moments, would you convict us? Would you challenge us? Would you help us? And would you draw us closer and closer to your heart?